gone well. Uh, remember to keep in touch and um, whether it's on social media, WhatsApp, however, with your life groups um, and, you know, obviously personally, we'd love to hear from you. And if you don't hear from us, please get in touch with us. Um, we've got a helpline, remember, and that number's posted on Facebook. Okay, so um, just want to say what a strange, weird time that we're going through, isn't it? Um, we found ourselves in a time that everybody's describing as unprecedented and there's been all these comparisons with wartime. It's like there's a war cabinet and uh, there's daily Downing Street briefings on, on the TV and that adds to like the urgency and uh, seriousness of the situation and it is very serious. And it's on such a huge scale, mind-blowing how it's such a global scale across the entire world. And I don't know about you, but um, as I've watched the news and become a little bit addicted to the news, if I'm honest, this last week, um, it's got there's been much more of a, a, a stressful feeling crept up on me as, as I've been watching the news and reading the news and looking around me. And, uh, and on those rare occasions where I venture out to the shops to get some essentials, everybody else seems to be rather stressed and under pressure as well. So I know I'm not the only one. Um, but it's not that, that we're fearful, is it? You know, it's more about adjusting to a new way of life and new habits and new ways of doing things. You know, we've got this conscious, constant effort to um, wash our hands and not touch our faces and you know, disinfect everything and wipe down your phone and the door handles and dental spray everything and then you're worrying and wondering about work and how long is this going to go on for so you know but in the midst of it all I feel like I've, I've had a, a short message to give you so um it's been on my heart this whole week and uh, i'm recording it now just because i feel like it needs to you know be given for you so we're going to delve into the bible and look at some truth so let's pray first lord help me as i speak out your word i pray god that everything that's of you would stick everything that's not of you would not stick i pray that your peace would flood out like a river Lord, as your word is being spoken, and I ask, Lord, that your will will be done and your name will be honoured in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so ever since this whole thing began, I've been listening to preachers and worship leaders and pastors and reading, write, you know, Christian writers as well. And, um, you know, it's been wonderful to, to connect with churches across the world and and more closer to home i've watched uh, this sunday i watched audacious church glenn barrett's message and then went immediately on to charlotte gamble at life church bradford which was the both full of hope the messages were so good um and you know what as i was scrolling through facebook looking at these people and listening you see all these nice positive messages intermingled with not so positive messages but one of the more positive ones was um, a picture and on it it said Jesus is the calm in the storm and I thought yeah that's good that's true he's our prince of peace and I started to scroll on and then I felt like this uh, just a little check in my spirit where it, he just said no I'm the storm in the calm and he is 
he is also our Prince of Peace and he is our anchor in the waves. I, I know that. Um, but in this instance, it, this got my attention and I think that's what God was trying to do. And because the whole earth is being shaken, isn't it? And we have prayed for it. It's not like the church has not prayed for, for, for the shaking. Um, we've begged for revival. We've pleaded for God to move on the earth. We've sang for God to have his way. We've prophesied every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And well, God does not bring sickness or disease or viruses or anything like that. He uses it to make all things work together for the good of those who love him. To those called according to his purpose. That's in Romans 8, 28. Um, and everything we've held on to, all the systems, the organisations, the cultural norms, those things that we feel actually anchor us and, and, and make us who we are, that's what's being shaken. Because what happens when we're shaken, we lift our hands up, we reach out to our father. When a child has an unsure footing, they reach up to their parent to hold on to. And that's what God wants us to do. It's not that he's brought that but he's there for us to hold on to, okay? Because he is our answer, he's our deliverer, he's our heavenly father, and he loves us with that deeper, wider, stronger love than we could ever imagine or even ask for. We couldn't even, we don't even know how much he loves us. That's how much he loves us. So, you know, he's got his hands held right out for us to hold on to. Now, when I was 17, I worked in Japan for three months and uh, it was a wonderful place and I loved it and it felt so safe. It was very clean. The people were polite. It felt very um, more advanced than where I was from. So, um, but I, I lived in this fourth floor apartment in Osaka for those, you know, for about two and a half of those three months. And, um, and this one day I was sat actually on the floor in my apartment and the entire building was shook with this very sharp jolt and apparently it was a tremor they called it a tremor we would call it an earthquake it was a six point something and um, anywhere else it would have flattened the place but it, it didn't because Japan are quite advanced in how they earthquake proof things I don't know how but they are so um, but because it was earthquake proof it then just started the next seven to ten minutes just to sway and settle down and it was like the whole, you know, solid ground beneath me had turned to liquid and it didn't feel quite so solid ever again after that. It didn't feel quite so safe ever again after that. You know, what I thought was safe was not as safe as I thought it was. And when it's calm, nothing moves, is it? When there's calm, there's a danger in a pond, there's a danger of stagnation. When there's calm, we turn slightly away from God, if we're honest, we forget God, we become a bit more insular and look to each other and um, he becomes a bit smaller in our, in, in our way of thinking um, and we might worship and we might sing and we might do what we do, but he can become put in his neat little box and that isn't right, is it? And we make him smaller, we call him almighty, but we don't quite expect almighty things. We don't do greater things. And, you know, so when it's calm, 
we don't really look to God so much. And our expectation of those greater things, and I am not in any way criticising anyone when I say this, is it, it, it's more about how great the church is in the sense of we've got a great worship team or we've got a great mega church or whatever it is and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a great church because, you know, excellence is the, a good thing. But when Jesus talked about greater things, he actually talked about greater works and, and, and that's what he meant, okay? So nothing wrong with being excellent Nothing wrong with big churches or excellent churches, but they're not the greater works that Jesus spoke of. Because he said in John 14 verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. So are we seeing that? Have we seen that recently? We haven't, have we? We haven't seen greater works from the church. And you know what? That means we need to be shook up and changed in some way. Because here's a little list. Jesus taught, preached, prayed, gave words of knowledge, performed miracles of healing, performed miracles of wonders such as water into wine. He prophesied, he calmed storms, he made himself invisible, he multiplied food to feed multitudes, he raised the dead, he showed amazing compassion, he forgave and he loved in a measure that we haven't seen yet in the church. And he said we do all this and greater works will, will we do. And we aren't, are we? Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. But God doesn't lie and he doesn't allow us to go astray and he doesn't allow us to stay the same. So therefore we need to be shaken. So when things are calm, we don't need to do much to cause a little stir. Just putting your finger in, in, a, in still waters will cause some little ripples. The gentlest breeze is going to move you along. But the storm... The storm will get you going, won't it? The storm will get you saying, if it's you, Lord, call me out onto the waves with you. Call me out of this boat. The storm will have you waking up Jesus saying, Lord, help us. Can't you see that we're perishing? The storm will have you throwing yourself like Jonah overboard to, the, to save the lives of the mariners, even if it means there's going to be a big fish that's going to swallow you whole. So the whole earth, I believe, is being shaken, you know, through this. We might start off as anxious and fearful, but we're not going to end that way. We're going to do greater things. In Acts, there was a shaking after the disciples prayed, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and boldness. Acts 4, 29 verse 31 says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats, they're praying, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled, all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. In the Old Testament, Storms were often seen as either the storms of life or the wrath of God, okay, um, you know, over his enemies. Or in Jonah's case, it was like a blockade to stop him from moving out of God's will. 
But in the New Testament, sudden storms caused people to turn to Jesus. When they had no other thing to turn to, there he was. But even then, you know, they had to get his attention. He was asleep in the boat when the storm came up. He did, the storm didn't wake him up. He was not fazed by it. The disciples went and woke him up. And when he walked on the water during that storm, he was actually about to pass them by. He was going their way, but he was going to pass them by until they called out to him. And here's the thing. He got their attention off the waves first by way of the miracle of the walking on the water so that they could get his attention and call out to him. So Matthew 16 verses 1 to 4 says this. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and to test them, test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red and in the morning it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. I wondered, is the sign of Jonah that Jesus spoke of the storm? We all think normally that it's the big fish or the whale or that whole story. But actually, I believe when I look at it again, that the storm was the sign that Jonah was given because that was the sign that he must return and do God's will. People looked to that big fish, like I said, and I'm not convinced about that anymore. It was the catalyst. The storm was the catalyst. He knew that it was from God. He hurled himself then overboard. I don't believe he was trying to kill himself or commit suicide, but he was throwing himself off to fully surrender to what God was doing. Don't throw yourself out of a boat. Um, he didn't tell the boat to turn around. He just jumped in. That's the thing. He jumped in and God sent the fish to be his transport to the mission field. In Zechariah, the prophet says, and this is 10, Zechariah 10 verses 3. Ask rain from the Lord in the season of the spring rain from the Lord who makes the storm clouds and he will give them showers of rain to everyone, the vegetation in the field. For the household gods utter nonsense and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty consolation. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. And then further along in verse six, it says, and I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have compassion on them. And they shall be as though I had not rejected them, for I am the Lord their God, and I will answer them. Now, in context, this is about Israel and Judah, who fully believed they were following God. They were just coasting along, though, just like we've been coasting along. And sometimes when you coast along, you drift off. So the principle is the same. The rain, the storm, it comes to draw us back. So ask the one and only God, whose sole purpose it is to bring us all back to him. So since writing this down, I've become aware that there's been prophecies all over the place about this. And they sort of 
confirmed what I've been saying about the shaking. And, you know, I don't believe, like I said before, that God started the virus or he's, he's here to destroy us or kill us or make us all bankrupt. God is not the destroyer. I believe that God, though, is in the storm like Jesus was on the water or Jesus was in the fire because people will then look to God and his people. Unity will and can then take hold. We've seen pockets of it. There's a very, very clear line between those who are being mean and those who are being lovely. Okay. And um, so, you know, that's when we're going to see revival, when we become the church, when we become unified. So let's pray the virus stops now. Let's pray for the doctors, the nurses, all the key workers. Let's pray for the whole thing to be eradicated, for the scientists to quickly discover the cure. But also pray that through this time of shaking, because how can it not be? that people will wake up and turn to God and that we'll be ready to help them when they do. Lisa Bevere says, God will shake you to awaken you. The church has been praying for an awakening. This might just be it. So I hope this has made sense to you. I hope it's made, um, I hope it's helped you in some way. Um, thank you for listening. Remember to keep in touch and I'll see you soon. Bye.